long weekend, what to do? Hey, why don't you just work some more? Sounds like a great idea. A <laughs> uh, little reading for you at the end of today's episode, Tarashevchenko's My Thoughts. Why? Because I'm reading up on the Ukrainian classics. Workouts in, new shoes, feeling good. Big workout, actually, I guess I could say. And yeah, it is the long weekend for those who have it. So what are the plans? What are you going to do? Honestly, more of the same. Friday, April 28th, 2023. I'm Stephen Sersky. Hope you are well. You're uh, your Canadian expat living in Beijing, China, doing the thing that expats do, recording podcasts. Not going anywhere anymore. <laughs> Quite literally, have no plans. This weekend, zero other than I work tomorrow. I get Monday off, but then we're back on Tuesday and I guess I also don't work Wednesday because originally I was planning to do some other things. But uh, I'll take the day off anyway, maybe. Well, I might put in my uh, my name to work, but uh, not entirely. Uh, if I forget, that's okay. Anyway, it's uh, it, end of April this time for sure. This is the last episode for this month. Uh, I don't know about you, but this month has been... Uh, it flew by. Uh, quite quickly. Again, tonight was another night off. Didn't have anything else booked, no classes or anything, which is quite nice because I think starting on Monday, I basically have two or three classes per night throughout the month of May. Yeah, it's going to be pretty crazy. Studying Chinese uh, and studying Ukrainian uh, throughout. And I was thinking about this with um, the uh, my, my, my Ukrainian studies, the approach I was going to take uh, because I only have six weeks, and it's, it's like, do I will I return to the language after I come back uh, in in July? Uh, it's uh, I don't know, right? It's it's a language I've been looking at for years, for sure. Do I need to have fluency? What would I like to do with it? Uh, it'd be nice to you know, I guess maybe put on the resume, make a couple videos on online or something like that. But overall, it, it's not really a language. That, uh, like, if I learned it, I don't see where I would be using it. And I, mean, I think I've said, the same, I've said the same thing about just about every language I've learned. What am I going to do with it? Because as an English teacher, basically, you're not doing too much with other languages other than living more comfortably in the area that you're working. The one advantage of learning other languages, and I guess this is probably the one of the the uh, the main components of my analysis of learning Ukrainian and sort of observing how I am learning the language is because how do you learn a language, especially as a an older learner? Can I say that? Is that is that fair to say about me? I'm I'm not a young buck. Um, some people would call me an old, you know, but uh, not an old, uh, not a young guy anymore. Uh, at least not relatively speaking, as in getting classes forced upon me you know why is it that people choose to learn a foreign language well you know when you're a kid you don't really have much of a choice in that but as an adult you have a choice and there is a an ROI a return on investment of time a right ROIT a return on investment time return on time I guess it is uh, invested time it would be more appropriate what are you going to get from it and as an English teacher, would I go into translation? Would I go into interpretation? Things like that. I guess there is something to be said about that. Um, all that being said, looking at the Ukrainian language, how much fluency do I need? 
how much of the literature do I would I like to read? Um, how much of the news do I need to read in in Ukrainian? Right in Chinese, it's nice to be able to watch the news and understand what's going on because sometimes they say things that actually change our day to day sort of lives. Sometimes I put the the COVID stuff and then um, entry requirements and stuff like that. So that's important. But going into Ukraine, like learning Ukrainian, uh, it's more of a an interest uh, and a heritage a heritage rather than uh, strictly necessary. Now, going into the country this uh, this summer, and I'm still kind of like tentative about it, um, that is, it is a, a big question about just how much can I, how much can I expect myself to learn? Um, so, you know, do I go six weeks hard? Or do I go six weeks? Nah, I'll try. You know, which, which one is it? Well, part of it, of the six weeks, um, I'll try is this reading up of the of the classics. So, Ukrainian literature uh, has been suppressed before by uh, the Soviets and by the Russians. Uh, it's a very widely documented and commonly known fact uh, throughout Ukraine and throughout the world, basically. Uh, but uh, one of the uh, national poets, he's considered a national hero, and no doubt. Uh, you've seen pictures of him. If you've ever looked at uh, pictures of modern Ukraine, uh, specifically in uh, Lviv or in Kiev, uh, you'll see pictures of these statues dedicated to Taras Shevchenko. Taras Shevchenko is this guy um, who was a poet back in 1800s. Uh, his famous sort of the, the book of poems to read is his Kobzar, which is a collection of, I guess it's eight or nine poems and these are available online you can find them both in ukrainian and in english uh the shevchenko museum in toronto i think has if not all then a lot of his works translated by professional translators um, who have an interest and uh, in making a good translation and they're all published online so the shevchenko museum if you, you Google that, it'll pop up, and there's lots to, to read, and it's all very well read. So that that one, actually, uh, one of the first poems that is published in the Kobzar is called uh, My Thoughts, Oh My Dear Thoughts, uh, that uh, Taras Shevchenko wrote and published in 1840 as part of this Kobzar, this collection. Um, the Kobzar means like minstrel or like a bard, it's like a poet, I guess you would call him, um, and it was translated by Vera Rich, Vera Rush, Vera Rich, uh, who was one of the uh, tra- who, who was a translator of uh, Tarashevchenko's later on uh, in the 1920s. So uh, I've taken the opportunity to read this. I actually don't know if his works are in the public domain, to tell you the truth. So um, okay, <laughs> uh, but I'll play it anyway. We'll uh, see how it is. Uh, it's just one, this is actually my first time reading it, to tell you the truth. So I, I had a look at it. I was like, you know what? Let's record it, because why not? Why read something when you can record it at the same time? There might be one or two flubs around there, but not too much. Uh, anyway, so this is one of the Ukrainian classics, uh, and there's a lot. Like, Shevchenko published quite a bit. He also did, he was also a painter. Um, uh, he was an essayist as well, So and he lived in exile a lot. Like, he wasn't allowed back into Ukraine for quite a while. Uh, actually, I don't think he died in Ukraine. I think he died outside of Ukraine and then was repatriated. I think I'm not actually, I uh, didn't, didn't read that one too clearly. I was reading about his autobiography, sorry, I was reading his biography today um, on the uh, the Shevchenko Museum website. 
and just learning a bit about him. And I figured this is actually all part and parcel of taking up the Ukrainian studies. It's actually focusing. Like what, what, if I took a Ukrainian studies major at university, what would be required of me? It wouldn't just be the language requirement. It would be the literature and the culture. Okay, so I've got you know, culture pretty decently. Literature, I haven't read too much of the uh, uh, Ukrainian writers or anything like that. Maybe it's time to pick this up. Maybe it's one of these things that I can do in my, my hobby, my spare time. And this is a language I think I could pick up uh, as like part-time. I wouldn't have to focus as much as I do with Chinese. Now, that being said, at HSK 5 level for Chinese, how much more effort does HSK 6 require to bump up? Surely it can't be as much from 4 to 5, because 4 to 5, you're still learning a lot of basic uh, characters, a lot of basic structures and stuff like that. Um, HSK 4, you're able to make basic conversation, but are you understanding everything? Are you able to uh, work your way around situations where you don't know the the, the the words to actually use, the exact words to use, right? With HSK 5, you can start talking your way around things. So that also begs the, the, the question, when are you going to do HSK 5 tests? I mean, it's not, there's no, again, just like picking up, China, uh, picking up Ukrainian, uh, there's no real major application for it right now. There's no major application for passing the HSK 5 test. It would be, just sort of a um, something to do, I guess, give me a target. But given that I'm focusing more on conversation and fluency practice through italki rather than going through textbook work, and same with Ukrainian, I'm, I've actually made a, a concerted effort to do more speaking rather than textbook work because I'm fed up with dealing with textbooks. I don't want to look at textbooks or cell phones or anything anymore. I want to actually use the languages and talk to people and learn stuff that way, to figure out the language that way rather than depending on uh, textbooks. So, uh, Taras Shevchenko is the first poet that I'll look at. There's another guy, Ilya uh, Kotlyevsky, Kotlyevsky, and he wrote uh, a couple uh, big name, famous works as well, well renowned uh, works as well. So, um, actually, if you're interested in learning more about this, I do have a language vlog that I am tracking my progress in Ukrainian and in Chinese. Uh, and this weekend's uh, newsletter post is going to talk about uh, Tarashchenko's uh, Kobzar uh, as well. So you can uh, take a look at that. Stevens Language Vlog. Substack.com. That's where you can find uh, that uh, uh, newsletter. It's free. Sign it up. It'll send it right to your uh, uh, note, not your notebook, right to your email inbox. And that way, it'll remind you to practice your own language skills, right? Which is one thing I do. I will be planning on that. I am planning. I'm building out that language vlog just a little bit more to be not just for you. Like if you sign up, I want you to be able to use it. But I also want it to be sent to me so I remember to use it, right? So this is actually starting this language vlog and learning Ukrainian. I guess with this, Ukrainian is a fresh start because... I haven't looked at it in such a long time. It's like if you were given a chance to restart your language learning journey, what would you do different? Chinese has become so enmeshed in my daily life. I don't know what it's like not to study that language. It's like, you know, when you have to clean up uh, and you you put the clothes onto the, the, the chair and you're like, okay, I'll get to those later. I'll fold them later. And then eventually throughout the week... 
in the month, you just pick off clothes from that part and you just wear them because they're readily available. But you never did put them away. They've just become, you, you've become so acclimatized to their location. That is like a lot of my Chinese textbooks, uh, but also the, the idea of studying Chinese. But every day, I mean, I'm still doing characters, okay? And I still have uh, like these, these classes. I mean, they're 30 to 45 minutes a piece. So it's the effort's been put in. And I figured, well, can I replicate that with Ukrainian? Except maybe not doing the vocabulary because since I have the familiarity and because there are so many cognates with uh, not just other Slavic languages, but with English as well and other languages around Ukraine, will, will it be easier to develop the fluency, develop the vocabulary necessary to be able to talk to people without re resorting to a dictionary. Now, I know grammar is going to be an issue. I, I can tell already only because I'm not used to using an inflected language uh, at speed, basically at conversational uh, speed. Chinese doesn't inflect. And by inflection, I mean like the endings change depending on who you are or what you're talking about or at which part of the sentence or placement within the grammatical, the idea of the that you're conveying. You know, is it the dative or the ablative or genitive, etc. So things like that. I mean, I'm not used to using a language like that as all, at all. So learning Ukrainian this way will be something new for me, for sure. Workouts in Friday night or Friday... Friday, I don't know. There's no nothing clever I have uh, for this workout. Friday, get it done. <laughs> um, yeah, new shoes feeling good. I wore the Sockanese out there today. The uh, the big white pair. They're nice. Oh boy, they're comfortable. Oh my goodness, so much change. Not only that, I realize because like when I do a run, I go for four miles, but there's a, a portion of the run. That I do these like uh, the grapevine sort of uh, you, where you you switch your legs, you you go sideways. Sorry, not not the grapevine. You kind of uh, sideways shuffles, I guess you could say, right? And I do that for just a little bit, and I realize now with these new shoes, my feet aren't getting that my skin my isn't getting pinched in between the side of the shoe and the uh, what do you call it? the the insole, right? All my other shoes do that. I'm like, is that because my other shoes are too narrow? Are you kidding me? And it's like, so I'm getting pinched in that way. And that's what's contributing to some of the uh, the calluses and everything that uh, uh, develop when you're running. Uh, that being the case, these could just be very new shoes. They are wider shoes for sure. Uh, but they do feel very, actually, I don't think I've worn, like I haven't had that feeling of like, wow, these are nice shoes in a very long time. So I'm very happy that I went out yesterday and bought these shoes uh, because they, they so far they're doing good. I'm not sure. Yeah, I guess maybe Sunday I'll try out another pair and then maybe Monday I'll try out the third pair and we'll see how uh, they go. Sort of how um, should I rotate them or should I just focus on using one pair, one every week or something? Like, I don't know. How do people use their different pairs of runners? Do they actually pay attention to these things? Like, is there a Monday pair, a Wednesday pair, a Friday pair? I guess it really depends on what you're doing. Uh, but so this lunchtime, actually, I got out there for four miles, uh, which is 6.5 kilometers. I was asked, Steve, are you ever going to go to use metric? I'm like, well, if you put it this way, we're going to do 6.5 kilometers every six and a half hours for the next 65 hours. Then, I mean, maybe, but it doesn't have the same ring as like, if we're going to do four miles every four hours for the next 48 hours. Maybe I just haven't practiced it enough, right? 
That is an idea. Can you run, you know, since that 6.5 kilometers is five miles, that'd be five miles every six and a half hours for basically, what, three days? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about that one. I think we're, we're, we're maybe another time. Maybe. Maybe, maybe, maybe. You'd actually get a proper rest in there at least, right? You could, But it would always be off. Your, your sleep schedule would have to change because of that half-hour increment, right? That's kind of neat. Anyway, after the four miles, 6.5 kilometers, 200 double unders and 50 or so box jumps. And I want to try these because with these new shoes, I want to make sure that, you know, I wasn't going to roll a foot or anything. And seems to be pretty good so far. So these shoes... Wow, much better than the ones I bought in Hong Kong. Uh, so uh, I'm very happy with the fact that uh, they've actually uh, worked out that way. Back into the apartment, then I managed to do four sets of 25. Uh, what is it? Yeah, I did, well, I, I did sets of 10, 20, 30 pull ups, push ups, and squats. And then I did those in, I guess you would say, two and a half sets each. So I did. The first set was like 10 pull-ups, the second set was 10 pull-ups, and the third set was only 5 pull-ups, and I repeated that 4 times. So I cut down on the number of rounds that I had to do, but even still I'm going, boy, this is taking a long time. I don't like dragging out that workout, although with that being said, if you drag out the workout and you sort of delay sort of the closure to one workout you can sort of keep that adrenaline going on for the second workout in the afternoon. Now, I know most people are, are going like, Steve, one workout's enough. <laughs> like, why are you doing so much? And <sighs> I was thinking about this. Like, you know, how much do you need to work out? Uh, the, I guess if I went back just doing three, like one workout every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then maybe another one on Sunday, uh, the, I, I guess, but I do, since I work at home, I do feel the need to move. And if I didn't lift weights after work on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, what would I do instead? Well, could you go for a walk? I mean, yeah, you could. But then at that time, there's a lot of people outside and it's kind of, you're dodging kids running around and stuff like that. So is it, do you, do you sit down and just watch social media? I'm going, well, that's not really very conducive to something good. Do you sit, do I sit down and do something else like all, all the other creative projects I have? And I go, I've tried that before. And it's not as easy as simply just lifting more weights. So lifting weights is kind of the, can I say the dumb way to transition from the work day to the not work day, the the, the work, not work day, the not work, work day, basically, because uh, it's not work just yet. I mean, it's it's effort, but it's not uh, paid work at the moment, which is fine. We'll work on that one. That's why. That's why I do these two days. And not only that, with the two days, I can do my cardio and then I can also do weight training, which is uh, there are two different approaches to uh, uh, to working out. It does mean that Monday, Wednesday, Fridays are pretty busy and even Sundays as well. Um, but, uh, so like, what do I do on Tuesdays, Thursdays? I used to do mobility work after work. I don't do that any much anymore. Uh, but I do go 
shopping, <laughs> like for food. Um, and I've also been booking a lot of my classes on Tuesday, Thursday evenings, uh, with only some classes coming on Monday, Wednesday, Friday as well. So that, that's uh, one of the, the schedules that I've had. Anyway, folks, I'm going to leave it there. Enjoy your long weekend. Um, Hope you're doing well. Let me know if I can help out with anything. Uh, if you uh, need any clarification on uh, how to learn a language or what languages to learn or what you could do to learn them, uh, that's sort of what I've been thinking a lot about lately. And also, oh, I do have to mention yesterday's little rant about the difference between uh, Ukrainian women and Chinese women. Um, this is very much based on my own uh, uh, experience of living in the, the two countries. And I realized later that people might think that the Ukrainian guy who was saying that, you know, Chinese women are feng huang, uh, is me. And it's, it wasn't me. It was another guy. So, uh, and it was, this was very much derived from the conversation that I was having from my, uh, with my Chinese teacher yesterday. So she was interested. And so that's some of the things that, uh, I, I thought were appropriate to say. So if you think they're not inappropriate, well, not sure what to say to you with that. I'll leave it there. Show notes and tracks up on my website. Uh, stevensersky.com thanks for listening thanks for uh, watching and oh yes may you make your movie starts on may 1st that's all on youtube type in may you make your movie and i have a channel dedicated to it thanks again folks we'll talk again have a good one bye bye all my thoughts my heartfelt thoughts by taras shevchenko translated by vera rich as read by steven sersky all my thoughts, my heartfelt thoughts, I'm troubled for you. Why have you ranged yourselves on paper in your ranks of sorrow? Why did the wind not scatter you like dust motes in the steppe? Why did ill fate not overlie you, her babes, while she slept? For ill fate but bore you to mock and be clown you. You were watered by tears. Why did they not drown you? Sweep you down to the sea, wash you into the plain. For no one would ask, then, what caused me to suffer, nor why I curse fortune, nor why I remain in this world. For they would not have sneered. He has nothing to do in their scorn. O oh, my flowers, my children, for what have I loved you and watched over you? Is there one heart in the world to weep with you as I have wept? Maybe my guess will come true. Perhaps there will be found a girl's pure heart, dark eyes to pour tears for these my heartfelt thoughts. I ask nothing more. One tear from those dark eyes, and I am lord of lords in glory. Oh, my thoughts, my heartfelt thoughts, I am troubled for you. For a girl with hazel eyes, a maiden with dark brows, the heart was rent and smiled again, pouring forth its words, poured them forth as best it could. For the night's dark shade, for the cherry orchard green, for a young girl's favor. For the steppes and for the grave mounds, there in Ukraina, the heart swooned and did not wish to sing here among strangers did not wish, far in this forest, in the snow to gather, a Cossack host to counsel here, with their staves and banners. Let the souls of Cossacks hover there in Ukraina.
From end to end, there, it is broad and joyful like that freedom which has long since passed away. Broad as a sea, the Dnipro, step and step, the rapids roar, and grave mounds high as mountains. There was born the Cossack freedom. There she galloped round with Tatars and the Polish lords. She strewed the plain about till it could take no more. With corpses, all the plain she strewed. Freedom lay down to take her rest. Meanwhile, the grave mound grew. And high above it, as a warder, hovers the black eagle. And minstrels come and sing about the grave mound to the people. They sing of all that came to pass, blind wretches, for they keep their wits awake, and I, and I know only how to weep, only tears for Ukraina. Words there now are none, and for ill fate, well, let it lie. To whom is it unknown? Hard it is for one who gazes with his soul on people. Hell is his here in this world, but the next. By grieving, I'll not conjure for myself a fate which is not mine. Let misery's throng abide for long, them I'll deeply hide. The fierce serpent I shall hide near my very heart, that enemies may never see how ill fate mocks and laughs. Then let thought, like to a crow, fly and caw indeed. But the heart, like a nightingale, warbles sweet songs and weeps in secret. People will not see, will not then mock me so. Do not wipe my tears away, let them freely flow. Let them soak this foreign field, water it day and night. Until at last the priests with foreign sand shall close my eyes, thus it is, and what to do? Sorrow brings no aid. Who envies the poor orphan, then? Take vengeance on him, Lord. O oh, my thoughts, my heartfelt thoughts, my children, O oh, my flowers, I have reared, watched over you. Where to send you now? Go then to Ukraine, my children, to Ukraine so dear. Wander on like homeless orphans. I shall perish here. There a true heart you will find, a word of kindness for you. There sincerity and truth, and even, maybe, glory. Bid them welcome, then, my mother, my Ukraine, and smile on these my children, still unwise, as on thy own true child. 1840, St. Petersburg. This was O My Thoughts, My Heartfelt Thoughts by Taras Shevchenko, translated by Vera Rich, read by Stephen Sersky.